0: Now, once again, here's Mark.
3: Welcome back,
2: everybody, four minutes after the hour of 11 o'clock. My name is Mark Salem, and for the next hour, we're talking about cars and trucks and RVs and just about anything that you want to talk about. You're more than welcome to join us, and all you have to do is give us a call, 602-508-0960, 602-508-0960. We're going to go to Daniel. He's been waiting. Thank you, Daniel, for holding. How can I help you?
3: Mark, hi. I have a 2003 Sequoia. And the end of last uh, fall, <clears throat> when it was still warm, when I would sit in a drive-thru or something, um, the A.C. would start to blow a little warmer, and I noticed that the temperature gauge would go up to um, to hot. When we got into the fall, it didn't have any issue into the winter, uh, but now that we're getting into a warmer season, um, I just I, I have a feeling it's going to do the same thing.
2: Okay. When you say get hotter, I want you to use the gauge with, you know, cold, quarter, half, three quarter, hot. So where, sure. Terry tell, tell me the needle. Uh,
3: I would say, I would say three quarter, um, maybe even seven eighths. Never into the red. I okay. would, you know, I was always watch, and if I had to turn the heater on, and uh, but it was always when I was in a drive thru or something. Okay. Still. All
2: right. I can, I can help you with this because you gave me such great information. Think about this. We need airflow across the radiator to keep the engine cooler and to make your air conditioning work well. So we need airflow. That's what fans are for. So you're sitting in a drive-thru. You're waiting for your case of beer for your wife, and it's getting hot. But I bet once you get back on the road, the temperature drops and the air comes back. Am I right?
3: Yes, sir. Good to okay. go.
2: So it has everything to do with airflow across the radiator. So the question is, is what's not working? Now, the other day I saw a Jeep with the radiator plugged up with more dirt and more desert fauna than I've ever seen in my life. But he had quite different symptoms. His would run hot all the time, and when he got on the freeway, it ran hotter. So, again, it's, it's goes, why are we running hot, and then why does it run hotter? Well, we look at the radiator, and it, it looks like it's got uh, 14 pounds of desert dirt in it. So, pressure washed the radiator out, cleaned it up real good, temperature went down. Now, let me explain, too. Normal is between half and three-quarters. Normal. So, on every car okay. out there, normal is half and three-quarters. Now, if you're, if you're going up to Flagstaff, it's the middle of the summertime, you've got a small trailer on the back, you start climbing hills, and you get to three-quarters, it's okay. No harm, No foul. When you get on the other side and you start going down the other side, it may come back to five-eighths. It may come back to half. It's okay. But in your particular case, I am quite sure you have an electric cooling fan that's not working or something like that. Because once you start moving, then the force of the air of the speed of your vehicle is causing air to cross through the condenser and the radiator. And then it cools down right away. So there's hardly any question in my mind that you have a bad fan clutch. I don't know if you have a mechanical fan or an electric fan. You could have two electric fans. But something's yeah. going on in there that's not turning something on and something's not working so that we're moving air across there. And to, to show you that I'm right, if it's a mechanical fan, if you were to kick it in neutral while you're waiting for the drive-through, I want you to kick it in a neutral and bring the RPMs up to about twelve to 1,500. Let me know if that makes a difference. Because if you say, Mark, that makes a difference, then you probably have a mechanical fan. The clutch is bad on it. By bringing the RPMs up, we're locking that fan, and now all of a sudden it's working, and the air gets colder, and the needle starts dropping. Boom. Now, if you can come to your shop with that information, you've saved yourself $100 worth of diagnostic money.
4: Awesome. Thank you so much.
2: All right. Good luck to you. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you for trusting me. Ted, good morning. How can I help you? Good morning, Mark. Good morning.
5: Um, I enjoy your show. Always listen to it on Saturday morning. Thank you. Um, I think there was a conversation about this earlier, and I not not necessarily today, but I am concerned about. Uh, I have a CR uh, two thousand fourteen that requires. At least they say in the manual it requires the 020 weight synthetic oil. Yes, sir. And once once you get, so I don't know how much many miles, it might loosen up the engine a little bit. That that oil, listen, I think it's four quarts, including the filter. <laughs> it was like $70 for it. Um, just change the oil and filter, where conventional oil is like, you know much less
2: sure sure sure
5: so uh, i just wanted your opinion about if you switch over to something slightly heavier maybe a a 520 um, regular oil or whether whether in your opinion whether you think that would work One well, two thousand, once it's once that the, the car's out of its or out of its warranty period
2: okay all right what we're missing here is, is we're missing some important information. Let me explain. conventional oil is 35 to 40 dollars, 30 to 40 dollars for an oil change. However, the interval, the oil change interval, is up to 3,000 miles. Period. Now, how many miles a year do you drive?
5: Uh, about 3,500.:
2: Okay, All right. Fair enough. So if you went to a conventional oil, you aren't going to get a 0,20 first of all because they don't make it except it's in synthetic. Let's back up. Take your hands and put them in front of you as if you're praying to your wife because you just got home late, okay? I want you to rub your hands vigorously and you can, and push on them. Rub your hands as hard and as fast as you can, and by the time you hear me stop talking, your hands have heat in them. You can feel the heat of the friction of your hands. That's your motor. Sure. I want to know, if I want to get in between the palms of your hands and provide lubricant to provide lubricant and carry the trash and the heat away, am I better off with peanut butter or sewing machine oil? Mm-hmm. That much difference, I suppose. Absolutely. Absolutely. So yeah. you can agree that if we have tolerances of half the thickness of a human hair getting in there, providing lubricating to that spinning joint, and getting the hell out with the heat, certainly water or sewing machine oil is better than peanut butter. So I'm going to give you two options. Number one, I think you should probably stick with 020, but 020 has an oil change interval from 75 to 10,000. So realistically, that oil in your car will last two years. I don't think yeah, you I'm ought going, to go two going, years. I'm going about a year and a half. Okay. So you th- that's fine. Because if you go a year and a half, and if you go 3,000 miles or 90 days, and they, they usually say 3,000 three months, well, you're going to change oil four times the first year and two times the second year. You're going to have six oil changes at... at I'm going to do the math here because it's easier for me. Six times 40 is $240 versus your... synthetic. So Mm -hmm. you're going to save money with the 020 and fuel economy. You're going to save money because you can go two years, but I don't want you to go two years without having somebody lift the hood on your car. We have lots of our customers in your boat. And so we have customers. Now, here's what I do. I'll put them in a conventional, if I can, and you can't because you have to have a 020. I'll put them in conventional for 3,500 miles a year and I'll tell them to come in every April and I'll change their oil okay cuz conventionals yeah, go yeah. for 3500 miles. Yeah, if it's heard you say that, yeah. If they go 5000 to 7500, I'll put them in a blended oil, half synthetic, half, half conventional. But if it's a synthetic oil, then they do 15,000 miles a year. Bingo. Come in every April, I'll change your oil. You're going to spend more for the oil change, but I don't want you to go 2 years without somebody checking the tires, the fluids, the belts and the hoses. Now, if you were my customer and you came in in the middle of your oil change stretch, and you didn't come in on Monday morning or Friday night, then chances are that would be something that I would charge you 5 or $10 for. Or if you had a customer number of 876 and I'm at $38,600, you are probably not going to get charged for it at all. So I think you should stick with 020. I think you should take advantage of the long oil change intervals. I just am uncomfortable having you go a year and a half. So split that in the middle, stop by your shop, and just have them look it over.
6: Okay,
5: thank you. Yeah, I, you know, for probably fifty years, I changed my own oil, and I did kind of my own. I check my tires frequently and check other things frequently. But the technology, I realize, is they've squeezed down on the tolerances on these on the on all the moving parts in the engine. Yep. And there's less room, so that's basically what you're saying.
2: But here's something neat. else: when your car yeah. is moving peanut butter around, when the oil pump. It's working a lot harder than if it's working on sewing machine oil. So sure. w- you get better fuel economy. Now, another thing is, is in the days of conventional, I suspect you and I are pretty close in age. So I suspect you and I were brought up in the 60s and the 70s, the 50s, 60s, and 70s. And back then, motors never lasted more than 100,000 miles. They just wore out and started puffing blue smoke and drinking oil like there's no tomorrow. Today... Just the other day, a lady called me. Her and her husband were having a fight. They wanted to know, how long will my engine last? Barb and, uh, what's his name? John. John. Barb and John. And Barb's always the one that's arguing, and she's always wanting me to side with her. (laughs) So Barb called and said, how long is the car going to, how long is the engine? And I said, if you don't overheat it and run it low on oil, because Renee, my wife, is sitting here, almost every motor we replace has been overheated or run low on oil. Yes. And rarely do we repair one or replace one that's just worn out. Yeah, I've never seen that. In years. Think. In years. Yeah. So the yeah. idea is, oh, is if God. you don't overheat them or run low on oil, they'll go two or 300,000 miles. Easy. Yeah. We have cars yeah. up to half a million miles in our fleet. So in your particular case, and you and I when we were growing up, engines didn't last that long because they had conventional oil. And they were big pieces of crap anyway. And the, you didn't get good fuel economy. Of course, we didn't care about fuel economy because gas was 19, 21, and 23. Yeah. <laughs> in addition to that, um, we wanted horsepower, raw horsepower, and we wanted to be able to spin the tires. So mm-hmm. so it's just different today. We want fuel economy. We want the engines to last a long time. So we are in a better place, um, Ted. We certainly are in a better place. And your car will last 300,000 miles the way you're taking care of it. Okay.
5: Okay, thanks,
2: Mark. You're welcome, Ted. 602 508 Let me tell you about a repair shop in Mesa that I'm very proud. There's only one shop in Mesa that many shops have applied, but only one made the grade, and that's Thompson's Auto Repair and Towing in Mesa. They're on, they're on Main Street just east of Stapley. Brian and Thelma are the people that own it. Brian and Thelma come from two families that have been involved in car repair since the 50s in Mesa these young men and women are really smart and you only have to meet Brian or Thelma to know that they are the last person on the face of this earth that's gonna take advantage of you they are just good people I don't remember the last time I had even anybody suggest that Thompson's was a bad shop everybody I send to them they make happy so if you're in Mesa no matter where you're at certainly Main Street and Stapley is centrally located so, I would call for an appointment I'd have an oil change done, and I'd see how you like them and how they like you and so that's how you start start a relationship with a repair shop is you just take it in for an oil change and If you take it in for an oil change and it's a nineteen ninety five oil change and they hand you an estimate for four thousand dollars worth of work you need, then that's the reason you're paying nineteen ninety five is they just went on a shopping spree on your car conventional oil today thirty 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 five
7: uh, for but It runs about $40, actually. Okay,
2: what's blended? Yeah, what's a semi-synthetic?
7: It's, that's about the same, actually. And you're right. The conventional is less. Conventional may be a little bit less, but $40 for a semi-synthetic, and 40 then, and some change for us. And then depending on how many
2: quartz you need right. of this synthetic, it's uh-huh. 55 and north of that. Yes. Okay. Anyway, that's what it is. We'll be back talking about cars, but you're welcome to join us. 602 The lines are open. Give us a call.
7: I'm Terry Gilbert. Join me on Intelligent Talk 960 The Patriot for my unique take, Terry's take on the topics. I give you my perspective on the vexing and hot issues of our day. Compelling commentary, capsulized in a nutshell, a dose of reality and common sense delivered daily with reason and passion. I cover what you're thinking about and what you're feeling. You already know me from years as the host of The Terry Gilbert Show. So now join me for the new Terry's Take. Timely talk running Monday through Friday on Intelligent Talk 960 The Patriot.
0: Napa
1: Know
0: How. Time to start adding to your bucket list. No, not the skydiving, meet your idol bucket list. The Napa bucket list. Because now, when you buy a Napa bucket for two ninety nine, you'll get twenty percent off items you can fit inside. Minimum fifty dollar purchase. So live a little and save a lot with the Napa bucket and twenty percent off. Quality parts, helpful people. That's Napa Know How. Napa
8: Know How.
0: At participating Napa Auto Parts stores, while supplies last, exclusions apply. Offer expires
7: 4-30-18. Zika is still a threat, so why risk it? We're taking our doctor's advice on how to protect our unborn baby from Zika birth defects.
5: Let's keep stopping Zika. Visit cdc.gov slash prevent Zika. This message from the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention.
1: Got an iPhone, BlackBerry, or smartphone? Download the Patriot app for your phone. Just go to your app store or log on to 960thepatriot.com today. Welcome back, everybody. 21
2: minutes after the hour, 20 minutes after the hour 11 o'clock, and we're going to go back to the phones real quick because I need to do some business, but we're going to do Daniel first. Daniel, good morning to you. How can I help you?
9: Yeah, I'm, I've got a 91 Grand Marquee, and I'm thinking of doing, uh, redoing the entire AC system. Okay. It hasn't worked for years, and I'm wondering how much that would cost, and would you, would you recommend to do such a job?
2: Okay. That... It, it, there's so much that it depends on. I, you know, I don't know if the rubber hoses are going to be okay, considering that, that that vehicle's 18 years old. Um, I don't know if the compressor came apart and filled the system with metal, but we're capable of flushing that. I don't know if the expansion valve is plugged up. I don't know if the condenser's plugged up. So I'm going to tell you on the short side... You're going to be close to a thousand dollars, give or take a hundred bucks. There's no question. You're going to be between nine hundred and and eleven $1, hundred dollars, and it could get worse. Now, I want to warn you. You're going to have the option. I don't know what refrigerant you take, one thirty four or twelve, but I don't want. What's that? I think it's twelve.
7: Yeah, I do too.
2: Okay, it's a ninety one. It and, could be the and one.
7: You did lose somewhere in there ten years because it's twenty eight years old. I had to do it because I thought, am I going nuts?
2: What 28,
7: You said 18. It's 90. 91 okay, to I'm sorry. 2018.
2: Okay, I missed anyway. it. Anyway. Oh.
7: <laughs> okay. No, that, all right. that's not the right bell for that, but okay. okay.
2: All right. So the idea is, is yes, you can put it together, and if it's 12, I want you to put 12 back in it and, and not listen to all those people that don't know. <sighs> you know what I want to say. I know,
7: but we've, we have been changing over some of them to the 134, but it's probably not a really easy thing to do.
2: And the, the, the thing of it is that there's an extra cost and it's not like 12 isn't out there.
0: Mm-hmm. We
2: have lots of 12 in inventory. And not only that, we're recycling a lot of our 12. So if he has any in there, we're taking it out. Mm-hmm. We're going to clean it up and put it back in there. So if he holds 30 ounces and we find 10 in there, then he's only going to pay for 20. But the 134 exchange there's other things that need. Now we're gonna take that bill from twelve hundred to two thousand because he might need a condenser, he might need That's we have to flush say. the entire system you know. to change the oil. We've got a lot of work to do. And he's been without air since nineteen ninety. God bless him. <laughs> you know, <laughs> if, if your air fails at two o'clock, you're raising <laughs> hell with me at two oh five. That's right. So anyway, um who could do that? What part of town are you in? Glendale. Okay. <laughs> I'm going to send you to Thunderbird Auto, Yeah, 88th Avenue and Thunderbird. Tom can Can take care of that. Um, In Peoria, you're pretty close to, uh, I'm going to say Grand and uh, 91st Avenue, are you close to there? Yeah. Okay. S&S Tire, I would call them and ask them if they want that. I would Mm -hmm. call them and ask them to want, they have a pretty full service garage. So I would certainly call them and ask them. Now, you can drive by Thunderbird and S&S and say to them, take a look at this and give me a ballpark figure the best you can. So you could get two estimates from two shops. S&S may say, no, that's not in our wheelhouse. Uh, We want to do suspension, tires, shocks, uh, front end work, stuff like that. I don't know. But I do know that they do mechanical work. But I don't know if they, this is on a 1 to 10 scale. This is an 8. This is an 8 or close to a 9. Yeah. So in your particular case, and I know Thunderbird can handle it no yes, matter they what. Yes, can. So anyway, that's what I would do if I were you, Daniel. All righty? Right. Right. All right. Thank you very much for calling. Thank you very much for calling. And let me do some business work here. Automatic Transmission Exchange. And we talk about gray-haired guys. We're talking about Phil. Phil's been there since 1968. You were what, forty years old back then? <laughs> Nevertheless, <laughs> Phil has been an automatic transmission exchange <laughs> since nineteen sixty eight. He's been around the block and he started with the very simple transmissions and can and and transitioned perfectly to the electronic computerized da ta ta da ta da transmission repairs and replacements are exactly what automatic transmission exchange they do and they've gone to the next level because they have have the ability to meet or exceed your OEM specifications. They have the ability, after they rebuild your transmission, if you even need that, to put the transmission on this special device that tests the operation before they put it in your car, and looks for leaks because it's a lot easier to find it and fix it there than after we put it into your car. It'll save some time while the car's in the shop. 40th Street in Washington. Phil at Automatic Transmission Exchange. Uh, let's go back to the phones. Luke, you're up. How can I help you, Luke?
6: Yeah. Hi, Mark. Hi. Uh, I called you uh, last week for my 1996 Voyager, Clement Voyager. I still say that that car runs excellent with the exception of that uh, uh, stopping. You know, sometimes the my, the engine dies from okay. time to time. But now uh, let me give you another scenario of that. Uh, uh, that, that has been improved by putting a new filter. The original filter, a Dodge company was there, so I changed it. And I changed also the fuel from 96 octane to 97, you know, the one in the middle. Sure. Yeah, I did that. I see some improvements. But here is the main issue that I need to discuss it today. On the ramp, when I put myself on freeway, and, you know, cars keep pushing, and you need to speed up. And when my uh, gas pedal is over half of the total distance, uh, it keeps tumbling. It keeps tumbling until, you know, it just feels like, you know, the machine uh, 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 begins to die.
2: And then understand. I just
6: think okay. okay. And then I take, you know, my uh, uh, foot uh, back to, uh, from the pedal. And uh, that's the the thing, you know, I am experiencing now. Okay. All right. Well, let's talk about
2: it. Oh, stop, stop, stop. Because we're, we're, uh, Luke, there's a disconnect here. There's a problem. If you don't have enough gasoline to deliver to your engine to keep it to idle, you aren't going to go 60 miles an hour. If you don't have enough gas to keep it running at 600 RPM, you sure aren't going to keep it at 60 miles an hour. So you're trying to tie two things together that don't fit together. Uh-huh. So, so you, it, your idle problem is something totally different because if your truck's capable of doing 60 miles down the highway but it can't do 65, that could very well be a fuel filter or a fuel pump. If the fuel pump isn't developing enough pressure, it's developing enough pressure to get you to 60, but it can't get you to 65. So a simple fuel pressure gauge, a fuel pressure tester in the car and go drive it and see what the pressure is at 60 and then whatever at 65 are the two different numbers you have, that will tell you if you need a fuel pump as soon as after you make sure that all the filters are nice and clean because a filter can cause the same problem. The idle problem is something completely different. So the idle problem is too much air, not enough fuel, vacuum leak, idle air control motor's bad, the throttle blades are dirty, the mass airflow sensor's bad, the duct work between the mouth of the throttle body or the the intake manifold and the air filter's cracked. There's just too many things on that idle side. So, you know, I can't possibly fix it. But if you want me to suggest a garage, I will. But if not, and you want to work on it yourself, then the next thing you need to do is either rent or buy a fuel pressure gauge, attach it underneath the hood, run it through the crack of the hood, bring it into the engine compartment of your car, and you can watch fuel pressure. And obviously the highest fuel pressure you find, which is probably 40, 50 pounds, it better stay in that 40 to 50-pound range. If you get to 65 and it drops down to 32, then then we have found at least a fuel starvation problem that's preventing you from going as fast as you want. So that's kind of how it works. All righty, Luke, good luck to you, buddy. Henry, you stay right there because on the other side of this break, we're going to take you first. That means we have four lines available, 602 if you'd like to join us. 602-508-0960. And I want to say goodbye to my wife, Renee, because she's leaving. Yes, and, and, I'm leaving. And thank you for um, keeping me in track and, and, and giving me the information I need to look like I'm so smart.
7: I don't know what you're going to do the next half an hour, I tell you.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, and I do know we're going to have fun, and I'm not going to have you staring at me, shaking your finger at me. I can tell you that. 602-508-0960. Thanks for being here. We'll
1: be right back. To get two free tickets to
0: Than's workshop, call 1 800 371 44. Seating is extremely limited. Call in the next 10 minutes and you'll also reserve a free copy of Than's Money for Deals guide. That's 1 800 371 That's 1 800 371
10: This is Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution for Townhall.com. Stephen Reinhardt, who was called the liberal lion of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, passed away on March 29th in Los Angeles. During his almost 40 years on the appeals court bench, Reinhardt wrote opinions that struck down the constitutionality of the words under God in the Pledge of Allegiance and overturned Proposition 8, California's initiative defining marriage as a male-female union. Reinhardt's death means that there are now seven vacancies on the notoriously liberal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. President Trump has an historic opportunity to remake the Ninth Circuit and the entire federal judiciary. The vast majority of his judicial nominees thus far have been stellar. They will adhere to the rule of law and interpret the Constitution based on the words in it, not the ideas they want to be in it. The president should continue his good work in this arena. Doing so will remake federal jurisprudence for decades to come. I'm Lon Chan.
0: The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, preparing leaders for America and the world. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu.
4: There's always a moment of truth where I say, look, it's either put up or shut up. And it was time to put up. I had crossed that thin line. It was 100 plus degrees. We were hot. We were on fire. We were yelling our hearts out. You could feel the intensity rising. Even in our tiredness, even in our weakness, even in our pain, we continue to push. I told myself, you can suck up the pain for another mile and a half, and you will be a Marine. Not many people believe that I could do it. I don't know where I got the energy from. I don't know where the pain went to. But all I know is that I had what it took. Yes, I am a United States Marine.
0: PFC Darrell Willis serves his country as a Marine. Will you? Visit Marines.com or call 1 800 Marines. The few, the proud, the Marines.
6: All about that demon, all the automobile, the man to monster with the polygon. Welcome back,
2: everybody, 34 minutes after the hour 11 o'clock. And uh, we're here from 10 to 12 every Saturday if you have a car question. But we're going to go back to the phones because we've got people waiting. And we've got open lines if you'd like to join us, 602 508 602 Henry, you're up. How can I help you? Yeah, thanks for taking my call. You bet.
6: I've got a, uh, a 72 Monte Carlo. And when I, when I shut the engine off, I can't get the key out of the ignition.
4: Okay,
2: I want you to shake the steering wheel left and right as you try to get the key out. Okay. Yeah. All right. So, so I'm I'm assuming the key is in the in the in the steering column. Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. And I know that you can stick the key in. You can go to on and you can go to start. I know that mm-hmm. because you're moving down the road. And so when you take the key and you turn it backwards, it goes off the engine off. But you can't get it into the lock position. Is that what you're telling me? Um The right. lock the lock exactly, position exactly, is where you yeah. can remove the key.
9: Right. And it seems if I if I move the gear shift lever around, that seems to help.
2: Okay. Does that make okay. making sense? Yeah. Oh heck yes. Oh heck yes. Um we have to rele- we have to get the steering wheel locked before we can we can uh, get the key out. And it's not gonna be a lock cylinder, it's gonna be just an adjustment or a shifter problem or the shifter columns worn out or maybe we have to just rearrange all that stuff and synchronize it better. This isn't a big deal. This um while it's sophisticated and somebody had better been in there before, what I hear you saying is is if I turn the key I I stop and I put it in park and I turn off the engine, but when I want to turn it counterclockwise one more so I can pull the key out it won't do that but if I shake the shifter it will do that exactly okay all right it's it's entirely likely that the collar the shift collar is worn out does it have tilt wheel by chance uh no it doesn't okay all right that complicates it even more if it has a tilt wheel so this this isn't that big of a deal um, there could very well be an adjustment that we can make. We might be able to take the shift rod and make it a little longer. And if we take the shift rod and make it a little longer, that'll put the park lever up a little higher. So I think this is possible, but um, I don't think you want anybody guessing. And so I'm right. thinking, what part of town you live in? Sun City West. Sun City West. Um, yeah. Thunderbird Auto up there at 88th Avenue and Peoria, or if you come over to I-17 Corridor, either Action or Kurtz, all those guys have been around the block. All of those guys weren't born yesterday. So I'm quite sure. um, And and I think you you gave us the symptoms just perfectly. And the fact that you can lift the shifter up, and then the the key will rotate to the lock position, and you can pull the key out, that's pretty cool. I mean, it's not that we don't get that often, so you, you <laughs> demonstrated the symptoms perfectly, and I'm quite sure that that's an adjustable condition. If not, it'll be a shift collar, which is the ring that the shifter fits in, mm-hmm. and so you pull the steering wheel off, and then you pull that collar off, and you put a new collar in there if it's worn real bad, but I think we can probably just adjust the shifter up a little higher, okay? Okay, well, thanks for your help. All righty, good luck, Henry. Ted, you're up next. How can I help you? Ted? Yeah. Hi. Yeah, this is. True. Um. Well, how can I, I help you?
9: I've got a 1984 Bronco two four wheel drive, and I haven't driven it for a few years. And uh, you give it the gas. Now, first of all, the the uh, uh, what is it? The gas uh, uh, accelerator pump. Uh huh. It's leaking, leaking gas out of there. Okay. So I got to. Re- I do all work myself. I'm on the disability, and. Uh, and I used to have a good enough brain to figure it out, but I don't now. And and, and so, it when you press on the accelerator, what happens is it just like whoa, it just okay. wants to die, and then you got to feather it back to get a couple of miles to where you can shift gears. Okay, and it'll, it'll do the same again.
2: Okay, well, um, we got to fix the accelerator pump first. And the accelerator pump is to give the squirt of fuel to the engine to transition from idle to cruise. Mm -hmm. So I think you do, the the accelerator pump just has four screws and a diaphragm in it. So, I mean, I I would replace the accelerator pump and get that fuel leak to stop, and I wonder how much better it'll be after we fix the accelerator pump. Right. Now, um, here's something else uh, that you can do, but I want to tell you this is dangerous. Okay? So All right. right. Um, It's not uncommon for us old guys to get up inside the engine compartment and... uh, And we'll have the car in park, and it'll be running, and uh, uh, and we'll we'll have the parking brake on, and we'll have okay. someone there with a fire extinguisher, and you know it's and and what I'm going to do is it's a carbureted engine, right?
5: Yep. Okay. Yep.
9: Exactly. So There's that's
2: Okay, so what I'm going to do is is I'm going to rev the motor up, run, 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 and then I'm going to stuff the throttle to the floor, and I'm going to stick a rag that's wound tightly around my hand so that it won't suck the rag into the motor. I'm going to put it over the top of the carburetor, whoa, and just before it dies, I'm going to take my hand off, whoa, whoa, now that's called a an old-fashioned carburetor overhaul because we're going we're to rev the motor up and we're going to cover the front of the carburetor with a gloved hand or a rag, and that's going to create tremendous vacuum through the carburetor, and sometimes, sometimes it'll suck the trash out of the idle circuits and the main jets, and it'll run better. There are times that we take that foaming carburetor spray and we build a big mound of carburetor foam all over the carburetor, front to back, top to bottom, left to right. Yep. And then we let it walk away from it for an hour. And then we go back in, we get a garden hose and rinse it off the intake manifold. And then we start it up and we do that again. Whoa ah and we put our gloved hand over the top of the carburetor. That's a I can't tell you how many carburetors <laughs> we have fixed doing that. So I yeah. think that I think that's what she I get the accelerator pump first and then if you if the transition between idle and cruise is better, then you're home free. Okay? Cool. Okay. Cool.
5: All right.
2: Thanks a million. Uh, you're welcome. You're welcome. When we come back, you, you, by the way, lines are open, 602 When we come back, I'm going to tell you about a story that I recently experienced where I was in trouble with an Internet uh, to our business, and the technical service of my phone company and stuff gave me a variety of things to try and check. And after me spending... I think $550 buying parts that they said were bad, we found out it was their fault. And so I really know, and, and and the car guy gets ripped off too. The car guy has bad experiences too, but I know what it's like to have other people guess with my
0: money. And I'll tell you about that right after this. Would you know what to do if you encounter a wrong-way driver? Let's hope you never find out. But if you ever do see a wrong-way driver coming at you, slow down, safely steer away, and get off the roadway. At night, drive defensively and be aware of what's ahead and around you. And if you see a sign warning of a wrong-way driver, safely move toward and take the next freeway exit on the right. Drive aware. Get there. Sponsored by the Arizona Department of Transportation in partnership with the Arizona Broadcasters Association and this station.
10: This is Lonnie Chen of the Hoover Institution for TownHall.com. Stephen Reinhardt, who was called the Liberal Lion of the Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals, passed away on March 29th in Los Angeles. During his almost 40 years on the appeals court bench, Reinhardt wrote opinions that struck down the constitutionality of the words Under God in the Pledge of Allegiance and overturned Proposition 8, California's initiative defining marriage as a male-female union. Reinhardt's death means that there are now seven vacancies on the notoriously liberal Ninth Circuit Court of Appeals. President Trump has an historic opportunity to remake the Ninth Circuit and the entire federal judiciary. The vast majority of his judicial nominees thus far have been stellar. They will adhere to the rule of law and interpret the Constitution based on the words in it, not the ideas they want to be in it. The President should continue his good work in this arena. Doing so will remake federal jurisprudence for decades to come. I'm Lon Hechak.
0: The Pepperdine Graduate School of Public Policy, preparing leaders for America and the world. Learn more at publicpolicy.pepperdine.edu. Dave,
3: what are you doing? Just sending a gift to Dave2037. Who? Me in the future. I save a little money from every paycheck as a gift to Dave2037, so he can spend it on things like anti-gravity boots or a hologram Doberman. Something cool like that. I think Dave2037 deserves it. He worked hard. What are you getting Steve2037? I guess I was thinking Steve2037 would just fend for himself. Well, all right. But don't expect to be borrowing my anti-gravity boots. You want to
7: have money in your future? You got to start saving now. Putting some money from every paycheck into a savings account or contributing to your 401k can make a big difference later. Put away a few bucks, feel like a million bucks. For free ideas and easy ways to save, go to feedthepig.org. That's feedthepig.org.
3: Hey, let's just hope Steve2037 doesn't get his hands on a cold time machine because he is going to come back here and knock some sense into you. This message brought to you by the American Institute of Certified Public Accountants and the
0: Ad Council.
2: Welcome back, everybody. 44 minutes after you have 11 o'clock. Let me just do some business real quick here. Last week, Larry, um, no, Bob and Ellen from Larry Harker's Auto were here. Bob and I both have gray hairs. Both of us have been around the block a couple of times. But he is really good, and he might be better than me or anybody I know he is a diagnostician extraordinaire he has the ability as many of us older guys do to know the fundamental checks and the fundamental way a car works so that makes it easier for us to figure out what's wrong with it so if you're if you've got one of those cars and your story starts out I've had it to two or three different shops and nobody can find this then remember this Larry Harker's Auto Repair 38th Avenue and Indian School Road they've been around since 1967 they can do oil changes, auto emissions, they can do electrical systems checks, batteries, alternators, water pumps, they can do all that. But Bob can do something that few others can, and that's really diagnose a specific problem. So if you've got a car that nobody can find or fix, then and you live in the central Phoenix area, or if you want to drive from north, south, east, or west, 38th Avenue and Indian School, Larry Harker's Auto. Real quick. So our internet goes down, but our phone system is good. We have cocks. So we call them up, and they say, oh, you're in an outage area. So we say, fine. So then they say it's going to be over X amount of minutes or by 2 o'clock or 11 o'clock, whatever it was. We call back. They say, no, you're not in the outage. But wait a minute. They said that we were. And folks, we're completely shut down when we don't have internet because we order parts electronically. And, every, and, and we're, we're very dependent on internet. So this goes back and forth. The short story is this. Five times and every time we get a different technical person, and each time we get a different, different issue. We had re- Let me back up. We had received a letter a week before that that said, it was a generic letter, we're going to change the IP address of your modem, of our modem, and you need to change your firewall. And the only thing in there for contact was an email address. So my daughter says, what do you think? I said, I'm not changing. The firewall is the way to keep bad guys out of our our business software. So I'm not changing the firewall to the address they're giving me. I'm not doing it. So five, six calls. They say, you need a new modem. We go and buy one. They say, go to our website, and they will tell you what modem to get. We do. We go there. We put it in. The lady says, no, you got the wrong one. We said, that's the one you told us to get. They said, well, that's residential. You need a business one. That may work, but it may not. It didn't say that on your website. It said this one was authorized by Cox. It didn't say residential or business. Then the next guy says, you need a firewall. $400 for a firewall. So we go get a firewall. We plug it in. It still doesn't work. We are on the phone with them from, I think, 10 or 11 in the morning until we close at 5 o'clock. So then we bring in IT people on Sunday afternoon. And they find out that Cox did change the IP address from their modem. But I never changed mine on the firewall because I didn't believe it. And none of them told me that. None of them said, let's check the IP address of your firewall. Five different technical people. And then we ask them, why is it that you changed the modem, but you didn't change our firewall? Well, that's your responsibility. Oh, so you changed it. Two days after we got the letter but you didn't tell us and you didn't know that first it was an outage then it wasn't so anyway you can tell my panties are wadded up you can also tell i'm changing my phone system as soon as my contract is over with i'm not going to put up with that kind of ineptness and i'm spending five hundred six hundred dollars on guesses from some guy on the phone who doesn't even know whether i'm part of this outage or not so i'm a little disappointed but nevertheless i know what it's like to have someone else guess with my money Let's go back to the phones real quick. Joel, you're up. How can I help you?
5: Well, first of all, I hate birds. I really hate birds. They love to use my car as a toilet. Now, the question I got is, is there anything out on the market that will dissolve and make it easier, clean or dry bird poop?
2: Yeah, I would take it to a car wash or a local detail shop and have them put a really good coat of wax on it. And that makes it so much easier with a wet rag to remove bird poop. And you might have to do that probably before the summer, during the summer, and after the summer. And maybe a little bit through the fall. But that's about all. So six months a year you'll need a good coat of wax to keep the bird poop away. I think you'll find that it's seasonal at at best. But if you're getting bird poop on your car and having a tough time getting it off 12 months a year, then you're probably going to have to have your car waxed four times a year. But I can tell you that we have our cars waxed, and we have a lot of trees on our property. And we know, I understand what you're talking about, but when we don't wax our cars on a regular basis or we have a, a, a service that comes in and does you know five, six cars at a time – then then we do have the same problem you have. And if you want to test my theory, do this. Go get some wax at the car auto parts store and just wax your windshield. And then when they bird poop on the windshield, you'll find out it comes off a lot easier. Anyway, thank you very much, Joel. I haven't had a bird poop question ever, so you hold the, the record for that. But as long as Glenn doesn't have a bird poop question, I'll take Glenn. Glenn, what can I do for you?
9: Hi, Mark. Uh, I have a question about two. Two questions about two vehicles. But the first one, I'd like your recommendation for oil for a 1965 Chevrolet. Um, I think I want 1030, and I think I probably want conventional oil because I think I probably need to change it a lot because it's got a carburetor.
2: I agree. Um, I agree. Every 3,000 miles, I'd get a name brand, so I wouldn't care if you had... I I sell Chevron, but Chevron, uh, Javelin... Um, Kendall, Valvoline, aren't, Castrol. Aren't, aren't
9: there? Uh, doesn't it need the uh, ZDDP or some crap like that in the oil for the older engine?
2: No, no, zinc. You're talking about zinc. Yeah, zinc. That's an old wives' tale. Yeah. <laughs> Zinc was something that they put in the oil, and they sold everybody on this idea that it's going to help with the valves and all that kind of stuff. Um, if you're using an original engine, then lead in the gas is going to help keep the valves lubricated, but zinc is not on my radar screen, and I've been trained okay. about oil. So, again, I would ju- And everything, by the way, if everything forward is backward compatible. So we don't have any oil right now from the 50s or 60s that doesn't have a direct replacement from to the 2020s so okay. i'd stick with the 1030 name brand and that's what i'd do
9: okay the the other question you may not want to answer because it's a ford okay um uh 2013 f-250 diesel uh is there anything you can do to get better fuel economy
2: what are you getting on the now?
9: highway on the, on the highway okay Uh, pull a uh, pull in a trailer and the trailer's not real heavy maybe 2,500 3,000 pounds okay and it 85, 90 miles an hour, I, I get like 8.5 to 9 miles to the gallon.
2: You're traveling at 85 and 90 miles an hour? Yeah. Okay. I can't help it.
9: Well, some, sometimes I go faster, but you know, I don't, <laughs> I, like California, <laughs> yeah. you can't. You can't.
2: I don't, know if, I, don't, you're, yeah, I don't know if you're pulling my leg or not, but I'm just telling you, 8 or 9 miles an hour has everything to do with 80 to 90 miles an hour. The faster the RPM is, the more fuel it's going to drink. My Dodge truck and my Ford truck, the only one I'll admit to owning, are going to pull horse trailers for me at 65, 70 miles an hour. The tachometer's running 1,500 RPM, and I'm popping 16 to 18 loaded up, and I'm popping 18 or 19 running empty. So I don't know about your 8 or 9 miles an hour, unless you're belching black smoke out the tailpipe. But I think you're teasing me because you're saying 85 to 90 miles an hour, and you're probably a friend of mine, and this is a way for you to pay me back for something I did to you. But I'm going to have Gil look at your ID on your phone, and I'm going to get you back. But anyway, thank you, Glenn. Thank you very much. Greg, you're up next. How are you today?
9: Good. Wish I had him on radar.
2: (laughs) (laughs) I'm leaving that alone, too, Greg, but go ahead. (laughs)
9: Uh, a general consumer question. I subscribe to a consumer advocate. Uh, his uh, his letter starts with C, very well known. But he had an article on his um, website uh, posted by uh, AAA regarding top-tier gasoline. And they posted a picture of a new valve, a used valve, and, uh, and a valve that one valve didn't use top tier, and the other valve did use top tier, and they showed the difference between the valves. And the one valve that okay. didn't use top tier was all munged up. I'm, just what's your opinion?
2: Well, first of Consumer all, top, advocate. Okay, okay. I got an answer for this. I know what I'm talking about. Top tier gasoline has a little bit more detergent than all the rest of the gasoline. Let me explain. In a gallon of gas, the detergent is less than the head of a pin or the point of a pin. So the detergent advantage is a marketing strategy. I don't know where they got the valves. I don't know what they're talking about. But dirty valves is not anything we've dealt with the last time was in the 70s. So I don't know, and I process six to 8,000 cars a year, So the question to me is, is Mark, how often do you find uh, that you needed to do work on a car, a customer's car, because the detergent and the gasoline didn't work? And the answer is zero, zip. Do I look up to your gasoline? No, I could care less. Do I have any high-performance cars? I got a Corvette twin-turbo, and I got a blown Camaro, both street legal. I don't buy top-tier for them. I don't buy top tier for my wife's Ford. As a matter of fact, if it ran on water, I'd fill it up with hose. Maybe that's a good idea. I should try that. My Dodge diesel is a diesel, so I don't buy it. My rental cars, I don't buy top tier. I think it's a marketing strategy. I think yeah. if we add an eyelash, a soaked eyelash full of detergent into a gallon of gas, is isn't going to make any difference. So... That's my opinion on it. I don't think that you should worry about in- intake valve deposits or exhaust gas deposits. I think if you have direct ignition, you're going to have a problem with that. That's a whole different subject, but it has nothing to do with top-tier gasoline. So i got to run, break, but thank you very much for bringing that up. Ray, what you got on your mind?
8: Hey, Mark. I got a uh, Toyota Tacoma with over 300,000 miles, and I finally have a uh, an SRS uh, uh light, and uh, it was scanned to, to indicate a uh, front airbag sensor. Yeah, I could touch the sensor, and I could take it off, but I cannot disconnect it. I got these tiny little wires to this uh, tiny little sensor, and it's like, help, how do I disconnect this guy? So I could well, replace it. Well,
2: wait a minute. Just because it says the front sensor doesn't mean it's a bad sensor. Does, it, does the SRI light ever work sometimes and not work sometimes?
8: No, it's it, at first it was uh flaky on now it's constantly on, and when it got scanned it's like it pointed out this uh right front sensor
2: i know, but who scanned it
8: uh i did i did
2: so so you I, have, I a, have ten... a,
8: a scanner i have a scanner that that does the s r s now
2: and how much did you pay for that
8: uh two hundred
2: okay well, the scanners we use that talk to a car are in the ten to twenty thousand dollar range. So I'm uh-huh. unclear as, uh, how you can test the veracity of the sensor with a piece of equipment that I have to use special equipment for. So uh, are you sure that you don't have just a code reader, and the code reader says oh, it's...
8: Oh, yeah, I'm sorry. It, it's a code reader, yeah. Okay,
2: yeah. yeah. Well, the code just means the problem is in Pennsylvania. You've got to find the city, the street, and the <laughs> house number. So okay. my, my suggestion to you is is just have somebody scan it for you. Let's use the right terminology. They're going to scan it. And and the computer's going to say, walk in front of the sensor. And I'm being facetious, but it's almost Uh as simple. Walk in front of the sensor. I don't see you. Put your thumb over the sensor. Oh, I see you. Okay, take your thumb off. I see you. I don't see you. Yes, I do. No, I don't. Or yes, I do. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. So the answer to your question is, is you're not going to cut the wires. You're going to go all the way back to where there's a connection. So it's not a matter of you cutting the wires. It's a matter of the connection. That's where you're really going to have to work on it so I'm, oh, okay. I'm 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 sorry i can't do a better job than that but the sri light will also come on cuz the clock spring underneath the steering wheel has lost connection and oftentimes that at 300,000 miles if you haven't had one of those boy i'd be looking at the clock spring too But it's just a matter, it's a code. So that's something that we need to get past is, is we need to go two or three levels deeper and start talking to the computer and saying, do you see this, do you see that, do you see this, do you see that? And that's what needs to happen. Anyway, folks, thank you very much for spending your Saturday with me. If you want to talk over email, mark at marksalem.com. Mark at marksalem.com. Mark at marksalem.com. I also want you to do me a favor, if you wouldn't mind. I don't ask much of my listeners, but I'd like you to go to azfamily.com forward slash boost. azfamily.com forward slash boost. There is a group of us that would like you to nominate Phoenix Body Works. It's a contest. Greg owns Phoenix Body Works. He's a good guy. He deserves to be recognized. So if you go to azfamily.com forward slash boost, If you would vote for Phoenix Body Works, that would make me happy. I don't ask for much, but if you do that, that would make me happy. I'll see you next week